Well, J.D., today we're looking at Hebrews chapter 3, and last time in Hebrews 2, we saw that Jesus was better than the angels, right? So that the angels are messengers of God, Jesus is a messenger of God, but at a whole different level than an angel, because Jesus is God himself. And now the author is saying, he's comparing Jesus to Moses. And so for, for any listeners who don't know the Old Testament, Moses is one of the biggest, you know, figures in the Old Testament. And, you know, Moses was almost like a, he was like an all-star to the Jewish people, to the Hebrews. Oh, absolutely. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, um, I like what he says here, I, or the author is saying, I like what he says here in verse one. So dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, he says, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. So now the author is adding these layers. Remember, this whole thing is about who Jesus really is in the light of the Old Testament. And he says, Jesus, in the previous chapters, Jesus is better than the angels. And now we're saying he's not just a messenger, but he's also a high priest. And if you think about it, Moses was Moses was a prophet, and he was, but he was also a messenger of God. Mo, you know, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, um, are ascribed to Moses. They're called the Book of Moses. So there's so much, you know, Jewish person reading this, there's going to be so much jumping out of the page at them as they read this. As they read it, they're going to say, "Wow, wait a second, Jesus was." Jesus was better than Moses. Yeah, Moses was, you know, my dad talked about Moses all the time. We talk about him in synagogue all the time. Like Moses is a big deal, right? Moses is why we have scriptures. It's why he's why we have all this knowledge of God. And now you're saying Jesus, we need to think carefully about Jesus, right? Who's even he's even better. Yeah, because Moses led them That's right. out, out of out of slavery and now Jesus is going to lead them Yes. Into salvation. Yeah, and so so that whole thing in the Exodus, you know, the story that many of us know about Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery, that he's going to start, the author's going to refer to that now because he's going to say, okay, so all of that is what in seminary they call a type. It's a type of Christ, or, or Moses is a type of Christ, meaning he is a he is like a picture of who Jesus is. He's like a forerunner to Jesus. And so we see in Moses this deliverer, that he delivered Israel, but Jesus delivers all of us. And Moses delivered the, the, the commandments of God to the people. You know, God gave the Ten oh, Commandments right, yeah. through Moses, but Jesus is going to give even more than the Ten Commandments to the people. He's going to reveal even more of God's heart to the people. And in and Moses's brother Aaron was the high priest, and Jesus is the high priest. So it's interesting. Jesus isn't just like Moses, where he's just a messenger. He's more than that. He's actually Moses plus Aaron, because Moses wasn't a high priest. Moses was wasn't a priest. Aaron was the priest. But Jesus is both. Jesus is prophet, and he's the priest. And we're going to see later that he's the king. He's 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 like everything rolled into one. And by the way, he's God also. He's also God himself, right? So then it says in verse 3, But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Now, as I read this, I think what he's kind of talking about, it's kind of a metaphor, but I think it's a little more than a metaphor. I was going to say, this goes kind of, there's a little twist in there, in there. Yeah, because I, I think the... I think the reference is that that 
the building the house of God. So, so Israel is considered God's people like the house of God. And so Moses um, built the house of Israel, in essence. You know, Moses was so critical, so important to the building of the house of Israel and the people of Israel and the nation of Israel because he brought law, he brought the law to them and he, he, he let... Yeah, he freed them. He freed them, Gave yeah. them law. Yeah, he led them to the edge of the promised land, all this stuff. And so I think it's kind of a reference to the house of Israel. Um, but what he's saying is, again, Jesus isn't just the builder of the house. Um, or, sorry, Je- the builder of the house deserves more praise than the house itself. Moses is like a part of the people of Israel. Jesus is actually the builder of the people of God. You know, God is the, God is the one who, tr- who really built the house. Um, and Moses is really kind of a, just, a, in essence, he's just a part of Israel. He's actually just a part of the house. He's not the builder of the house. I don't know, that's, maybe I'm reading into that a little too much, but that's what, as I read this, maybe as you, as listeners, as you read this, consider this metaphor, and that's kind of what he's getting at. And then he's, he, uh, he says here in verse 12, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. And so now again, he's referencing, J.D., this, this, this story in the Old Testament, because remember Moses leads the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt, but then he, but they all, for 40 years, they were unbelieving, right? And it was this struggle for 40 years in the, in the wilderness, it's taken me a, a long time when I was younger to understand how yeah. people that were that were delivered from slavery mm-hmm. saw all the miracles, saw the Red Sea part, yeah. saw manna come from heaven, yep. all the the blessings of, of God, and yet firsthand, and yet couldn't, or, or still complained, still complained, and and, and bickered, and I. <clears throat> And then I, as I get older, I start to look around at myself and all the <laughs> yeah. blessings I have and, all, and everything has been given to me and done for me. And I, and I go, okay, I guess this was just a, they're just telling us this is the way people are. Yeah. And we have to be careful. We have to have our, uh, we have to have our guard up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what he's saying. He says, watch your own hearts that, you know, and he's, he's writing to believers and so he says, watch your own hearts that you don't slip into unbelief and turn from, from God like the Israelites did um, in the Old Testament, right? And you marked up verse 13. Yeah, I marked up verse 13 because a friend of mine is uh, big on mentoring. And, he's, uh, <laughs> and this kind of leads toward, because it, it doesn't say, you know, just watch your own. Yeah. It says, you know, help others, because I think it's always easier to recognize in others' uh, mistakes than it is in ourselves, and, and therefore use that as not a curse to, you know, pick on people, but use it to help each other in a way that, and then hope they'll help you as well when you are, uh, when you start to stray. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, he says, you must warn each other every day while it's still today, so that none of us, none of you will be re- deceived by sin and hardened against God. Yeah, that's a good insight, J.D., that in verse 12, he says, watch your own heart, but ver- in verse 13, he says, warn each other. Like, the, there's a community element to this, that we are the house of God. We're the community of faith. So we need to hold each other accountable, encourage, warn each other. That's why, like you said, mentoring is so important, having a mentor that can speak truth into your life, and then you someday will be the mentor who speaks truth into the, into the next person's life. Um, so that what happened in 
Israel's day, you know, these people who saw the work of God and were close to God, that it wouldn't happen in our day today. Now we'll talk tomorrow in chapter 4 a little bit more about hardening your hearts and some of the theology behind that. But, but the, the chapter ends, it's a short chapter, verse 19, it just says, so we see that because of their unbelief, he's, he's not talking again about um, the Israelites, they were not able to enter his rest. And so the concept of rest is going to come up in the next chapter some more. And what he's, again, the, the image we have for rest is the promised land, that there was this toil for, for 400 years in Egypt and slavery. And then for 40 years, there was this travel and finally, they got to the promised land where they had rest. But some of them didn't. Some of them didn't get to enter because of their unbelief. And, and that's kind of what the author here is drawing on that common knowledge of the story. Remember, a Gentile wouldn't have known the story. So this was written to Hebrew Christians who would have understood the story and, uh, and the warning behind it.